the Power Chair Podcast. Welcome to Set Ball, the Power Chair Podcast, the one and only podcast that deals with all things Power Chair football. My name's Siobhan Stevenson, and I'm here with my mate Dave Lewis. Dave? Hello, how are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. You lowered your tone this week. I know, you know I was so high pitched last week. Like, Hello, I've turned into you know really high pitched, squeaky voice. But now we're all good. I'm actually you know manic week. It's Friday afternoon, so just come off um, two days of online training with work. So as you can imagine, that's been delightful. But <laughs> um, we have just had the technical director on uh, West Bromwich Albion, uh, Luke Dowling, who's on about transfer signings. So it was actually really interesting. And, and the signings West Brom are making. So it was like mainstream football base. So it was actually quite exciting the last hour and a half. But the previous two days have been... So do you want to introduce our guests for this week? I'm very pleased to get these two guests on this week. We've got from Northern Thunder this week. They're both players. They're also both, you know, uh, lads in England squad, current England squad, winners of last year's Nations Cup, Ed Common. And we've got Sam Smith. Welcome, lads. How are you doing? Hello. Hi. Hi. Hi guys, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, been looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I'm really good. Thanks. How are you guys doing? Brilliant. Really good, really good. And Not Ed, bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Nice one, mate. Really pleased to get you guys on. Cool. Shall we crack on then? Let's. Okay then. So question number one then, um, and we'll come to you first, Ed, if that's okay. Um, if you can just tell me about yourself, uh, when you started playing the sport, and also how you got involved in the sport, that first initial um, sort of experience with powerchair football. Yeah, well, I started in 2006, but I was playing, used to play with my mates at school football, and, but when I couldn't keep up with them anymore, I was like a bit down, so mum would, me and mum were taught about powerchair football at Percy Headley, so went along, and then it kept going from there. <laughs> I'm a captain of... Thunder and being coached for the last year. How long have you been the captain for Northern Thunder? Not totally sure, but I think six years possibly. About six or years, or just rather forever. I think. I think. I think. You know. Certainly, when I've been playing, you've always been the skipper. I think. Um, so, how long have you been playing? Did you say? I can't remember if you said that. Two thousand and six. Well, I mean, that's fourteen years ago. So that's yeah. much longer than myself. I've been about ten and years. My first competition in February, early February, two thousand seven. Two thousand and seven. One of my questions for two on one later is about one of your earlier games. So I hope that you remember it because you definitely played in it. Because I've checked. Um, so I, I'm really glad that's you know the game is one of your first games you played probably. But we'll come on to that later. Then okay, then let's just go to Sam. Then if that's okay, Sam. Um, you know, um, same question really. Can you tell me about yourself uh, when you started playing? Yeah, so much like what Ed said, really. Um, I've always loved football. I've always been a massive football fan. Um, and I used to play the running game till I was around ten years old, and I kind of played that as much as I physically could. Um, as much as my body kind of would let me sort of thing. Um, but at the age of about 10, um, I lost the ability to walk, um, which meant I kind of had to look for other alternatives. Um, and kind of power football came along by accident, really. Um, some people might know my dad teaches at a local school. Um, and basically, Newcastle United player Lee Armstrong, who plays um, the sport, had started a year before me. Um, and his mum knew that my dad worked at the same school that he went to. 
and brought a leaflet along one night and said that, um, you know, Danny, your son might be interested in, in getting involved in Palchair football at Percy Headley. Um, so I went along on a Thursday night and kind of just loved it straight away. Luckily, they had a chair there for me to try it out in. Um, and I got knocking the ball around and just trying to control the chair first. Um, so I kind of started playing in the next terror, uh, which if some people um, have played in them, they are quite tough to play in. And they didn't kind of feel that safe when I was younger and um, took a bit getting used to. Um, but luckily for me, the club... The year I joined, um, created Percy Edley Panthers, who competed in the National League One when that was about um, around 2011, something like that maybe. And luckily we formed a team and we bonded quite well and we ended up uh, becoming the champions of that league, which kind of gave me a lot of experience and confidence that I could maybe um, reach the higher levels of the sport and really enjoy it because I've always kind of been competitive, you know, and uh, wanted to win. A year after that, in 2013, Northern Thunder um, called me up, so I started playing for them. And they had a tournament in Paris in the Champions League in 2013, um, and we ended up losing on penalties in the final. And I was kind of on the fringes of that squad, but kind of experiencing that and being there with the best players sort of in Europe gave me that kind of drive and hope that one day that could be me competing in those finals. That's absolutely fantastic. Thank you, Sam, for that really good answer. Okay, then. So, um, you know, you've both been very successful in the sport, if you don't mind me saying. They're both with Northern Thunder. Um, you've won the league how many times, Ed? Is it four to five? Probably more than that. Four times. Four times. Okay, yeah. So, you're perfect to answer this question. And what what does it take to make a winning power chair football team? Hard work and gelling as a Team, so basically in training, practicing all the basics to the best of your ability and getting them all right and then building on passing them to a teammate. So if you don't mind me saying, and I think um, Siobhan will back me up on this, we've had comments on these podcasts that, uh, that you're actually one of the best players in the world. And I, and I can vouch for that because, you know, I played against you. You know, and, um, you know, and I've been... You know, bamboozled, bemused many a time when the ball's been there. I think I can win it, and all of a sudden it's flicked away from me and it's, it's gone. Do you know what I mean? So, you've got this amazing ability to move, um, you know, uh, to pass the ball, to move the ball very quickly. Um, you know, it's you know, such a huge compliment to yourself. Am I right, Siobhan? People have said that. We know you're being a bit modest here, Ed, um, and, and, you know, a bit self deprecating because so many people have talked about your ability but I so yeah I absolutely agree with Dave um from what I've heard but I just wanted to ask you as well you know you talk about having teammates to pass to and and practice and and all of those things how important is that relationship with your teammates for you to um grow and begin to build your confidence as a player yeah it's just like getting to know one another and then it's not just about winning and stuff but it's like being friends and having a bit of a laugh at times at training and basically just knowing what they're good at and what they're not at and basically working on each other's skill sets. What about for you Sam is it the same for you you know um you know uh, getting to know your teammates being friends as well because you know from my understanding you actually 
left Thunder, didn't you? But then you came back. Is that is that right? Yeah, just to touch on a point you said earlier about Evan and sort of um, his skill in the game. It's obviously yeah. been an honour for me um, to play next to someone like Ed and learn from from the best. And kind of what you said, really, in my eyes, Ed is one of the most skillful players sort of in in the game. Um, so to be playing alongside him has really helped me drive my own game forward and learn the tactics um, and things like that. But as a team, obviously on the pitch, um, people probably know Northern Thunder as having very little communication. Um, but actually having players like Ed and playing with him for so long, I kind of know what he's going to do um, without him really having to say much. I mean, there's obviously still times in a game where he does do things and I'm like, I have no idea how he's just done that. Um, and it's kind of just an honour to be playing next to him. Um, and also, just, I think every every player can take something away from each other's games and sort of push, push each other in that way uh, to kind of be the best, the best that we can be. Um, and then the team environment, you've got to sort of encourage all players to work hard. Um, and it's not something like skill and talent will get you so far, but that hard work will always push you to become a better player. And I think that's something that I've sort of learned through the years when I've been playing. Just coming back in, I mean, we, you know, we've just heaped loads of com- compliments on Ed and I'm, I'm sure he's just hoping, wishing we'd shut up now. But, but I've got to come back to you as well, Sam, because Northern Thunder as a team have got you know this brilliant reputation and and like we said to you before everybody talks about northern thunder everybody references northern thunder um so it's really nice to hear you say that you know you're you're learning from players like ed and it's a privilege for you to to be on the pitch with players like ed because it brings your game up i think what's what's been really nice for me as a kind of power chair novice if you like um a a kind of outsider looking in on the game that I didn't know much about there seems to be very few egos and that's really lovely people are quite you know that they celebrate each other in a way that I've not known footballers do before I mean obviously you see you know the top earners and that talking about their their teammates and everything and you know, they're heaping loads of praise on them. But, you know, if you look across to the running game and you look at some of the clubs, I'm not sure they'd be as supportive and as complimentary to each other as some of the the top players with great reputations in power chair are. So I think that's like a breath of fresh air. It's really surprising to me and it's really nice to hear because you've got your own reputation as well, Sam. (laughs) <laughs> We've heard all about your reputation. Um, <laughs> not having any joke, you know. The next thing I was going to ask you, lads, obviously, and I think it linked nicely in from the, you know, from, from what makes a winning power chair football team is the fact that you guys are both in the current England squad. I know we haven't, you know, um, you know, we haven't had any sort of camps lately. You, you haven't had any camps lately. There hasn't been any tournaments, but you were in the last one. Tell us all about last year, my last year in Finland, winning the Euros, England's first ever you know, uh, Parachair Trophy, how, how was it? And Ed, I'm going to come to you. Tell us about the whole experience if you can. Well, it's just brilliant winning it because being in the setup, the England setup, 
before it was run by the FA, along with John Borden. So we've both been in it together. So it's nice to win it, to win something finally. But on the pitch, it was going two 0 down. It was a bit disappointing, but we just kept calm and we knew that we could come back. And luckily, well, we did. And penalties, well, we're a bit nervous. Yes, I missed one, but we didn't need us all to score. And then Marcus scored, and I was just, you know, just really pleased that we managed to do it after loads years hard work. What was the feeling like when you actually won it then? It was a yeah, proud exactly. moment and enjoyed Excellent. it. Excellent. Well, well, I'm extremely proud for you, mate. And Sam, what about for yourself? Was it your first tournament or had you been to one previously? I'd been to the, the FIFA World Cup, um, yeah. but I was kind of more, I felt kind of more like a fringe player then. Um, and I kind of got my moments on the pitch when they came and tried to make the most of it and enjoy, enjoy my time playing with um, playing with my mates really as well, which really made it an even more special experience. Um, but in terms of Finland and the Nations um, Cup, I, I was on the bench for the whole of the final. Um, but obviously I was watching my, my teammate in Ed and my um, mates within the England team do something that I know how hard we'd all work to get to where we were. And even at 2-0 down, I think what was really interesting and sort of important to me was that the four players on the bench at the time and the staff and the coach all had complete faith in the players on the pitch to get the job done. Um, and obviously, as someone on the bench who always strives for more and wants to be better, I would have loved to have been on the pitch and proven that I could as well have been in a situation there winning a big tournament for my country. But I also knew how much effort and how much the players on the pitch deserved to be there and luckily they got the job done um, and when that final whistle went I was just absolutely relieved and just buzzing for the for the lot of us that we'd done something that special really um, so yeah I mean it's an extremely proud moment you know, in a, you know for the whole community really you know it has been celebrated since by the whole community everyone's really proud and I think it's years of hard work you know sort of come together you know it's a massive well done massive appreciation from everybody I know that I have just remembered and I think it's a sign of my old age what I was going to say because um, the points have all made about egos and mainstream football I, f- I think I, f- I think you know there is you know there is very little of that within Paratech maybe some would disagree but I think you know the thing that we do well Paratech community is, is, is the community of people and the strength we are together and when we do come together we are at our best it's like you know, tomorrow I have to promote the WFA celebration of Parachair Football event, which I hope that Ed and Sam are signed up for. It's all going to be done virtually online, so a little bit different to being at Pride Park last season, which is Derby's Grand Chavon for the football novices. Um, <laughs> so, you know, very different, but at least we're still able to celebrate and our community will come together. There's over, you know, there's over 200 people going to be online. Um, so, you know, in, um, so I think that shows the strength of character people have when everyone is kind of pulled together. Okay, I'll try not to forget anything else. But now I think it's time for 2v1, because we're nearly at half-time already. 2v1! You ready, boys, to play 2v1? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, boys, so um, so as I said at the beginning of the podcast, as you probably listened to other episodes, you know, I'll ask you a few questions. It's the first two, three points 
So the best of five. So if you get it right, you get the point. If you get it wrong, I get the point. It's not rocket science. All right? It's just a very basic game to try and try and entertain our, our listeners, okay? But I have got some different questions this week and they're more related to Northern Thunder, okay? So... Do we need any time I, on the clock for this? Well, the first one's a bit more generic. It's a question, one of my favourite questions, so they might fly through it. So give them 30 seconds, okay? Guys, feel free to shout out the answers, okay? You okay. ready? Yeah, ready. 30 seconds yeah. on the clock then. Siobhan will start okay. it when I finish and asking the question. Name 10 players to score 100 or more National League goals since it began, so 14 years ago. Go. Me, Rob, John, yeah. Charlie, Chris. Wow. Keep going. Jordan, June. Sam, me, um, Kath McNichol. Keep going. Two uh, more. Harry Body. Bobby Williams. Yeah. Excellent. You've done it. Excellent. Well With done. Time to spare. <laughs> You'd got eight seconds left there. Good work Turn there, Ed. Excellent. Well done. You and uh, um, well, both of you, sorry, are on the list. Ed and Sam. Harry Buddy, as you said. Um, uh, who else? Bobby Williams, John. You said them all. Jordan Duke. Okay, there's 19 possible answers. Sorry, so I think, I think you, could, you, you definitely said 10. Well done, boys. 1 0 to you. Okay, then. You're the, um, there's not many people getting them, so well done. Excellent. Okay, the next few questions, if we get that far, you might beat me 3 0. In which case, we'll only get a couple of these Northern Thunder-based questions. But the next one, I'm very interested to hear the answer. Okay. We're not going to set a timer for this, okay, Siobhan? We're just okay. going to ask them. If this is going to be more um, more related to Ed, but Sam, feel free to chip in as well. What is Northern Thunder's biggest ever league win in the National League? I want the score, and I preferably want the team who it was against. And Ed? You did play in the game, mate. Yeah, I know I did. <laughs> Not long ago, <laughs> like you mentioned it. What was that, sorry? Either 35 or 36 against Nottingham. Oh, I need a, a tough full-time. It's what I've got this morning. Give me an 36. 36-0. Yeah. Against who? Nottingham. Nottingham. Oh. I kind of want to give it you, but I'm not going to, because I'm me. It's 34-0. 34-0. Oh, it's off the website. It's against Nottingham on the 17th of March, 2007. Did you? Oh, yeah. And for, okay, for a bonus point, how many goals did you score in the game, Ed? Eight. I can't give it a point. I've got it. 11. You got 11 of the 34 goals. And there was no other current players playing apart from Rob Thompson played in the game. He's not yeah. obviously not at Northern Thunder, is he anymore? Yeah. Okay, so now I'll get that point. So, so well, good effort though. I'm pleased you remembered the match. Okay, wow. well, I get the point. You're very unlucky. Okay, um, you might get this one Pacific Northern Thunder question. No time limit again, Siobhan. When okay. did Northern Thunder first win the National League title? In what year? In what in what season? You know. Again, this is off the FA full time website. I think I was I just joined the team. Two. And I. Um, on. If you feel confident answering, or, or or you can have a chat and then say my final answer is if you want to yeah, confer yeah. with Ed. Ed, do you reckon twenty twelve or twenty thirteen somewhere like that? Or was, was it before that? Was it before or after the Champions League? I don't know because. 
I think it was 13-14. I, I would go 13-14 as well. Should we go for that? Is that your final answer? That's our final answer, Dave, yeah. yeah. It's 2012-13. Oh, oh. oh. That's it. I get the point again. Okay, oh, unlucky, lads. Unlucky. I can see where oh. you're coming from. 2012-13, according to FI Fulcon, it was a spire mm-hmm. in the four or five years mm-hmm. previous to that. Um, I was actually surprised it was that late. I thought you'd won it before then. Um, so I started playing 2009. Um, I'm, I could have felt sure you'd won it, but not according mm-hmm. to our records. Um, okay, then another Northern Thunder-based question. Okay, slightly easier. I think more, but it's a little bit more modern than the, the other two I've asked. Um, what have the following players got in common? And I'm sorry, Sam, you're not listed on this. <laughs> um, but what have the following players got in common? And the first player is Ed Common, Harry Body, and Jack Maxwell. What have what have those two players, apart from the factual player for Northern Thunder? Yes, well done, lad. Well done, nice lad. Player. Jack Maxwell's won it twice in the last few years, but those, but those, um, Ed and Harry and Jack Maxwell twice. For the last five years, you've been leading goal scorer. Two two. What a game! Decider coming up. Okay, got last question for you. Name the two players, no time limit against Vaughan, to receive the most yellow cards in the history of the National League. Do you think Rob's one of the best? Possibly, because he's played for a long time as well. Um... Might have to set a bit twenty seconds, maybe Shavon, maybe just to put a bit under bit of pressure. I, I want I want this win this week. This is this is this, this might be the only time I beat Northern Thunder. Um, <laughs> okay, so the timer's on. Oh, Chris or Dave? It could be Dave. You're right. It, it was two, wasn't it, Dave? You need two. Two, two, two players have both received eleven yellow cards in the history. Five, four, three, Robin, two, yeah, one. Final answer: Robin, Dave, Rob Thompson, and Dave Lewis. You're correct. Well Yay! done, Ed. <laughs> Good work, Ed. You're beating me. Last minute, last minute winner. Well done. The thing I love about PowerShare football is being able to play a sport like my able-bodied friends can. I think the biggest thing about PowerShare football is it gets me out of the house. I get to meet people of similar conditions. I could have a kick about with my mates. And I just love scoring goals and smacking the ball around. Simple as that. I like the competitive nature of the game and the way it feels to play. The reason I love Parachair football, it, it really is the only sport that I know of competitively that disabled guys and girls, no matter what age, what disability, can all play together. And when they're training, they can even train with their brothers and sisters, their aunts, their uncles, their mums and dads, whatever, as fun. And if you want to take it seriously, it's, it's open to them that they can play football to the highest standards they, they want to possibly achieve. I love parachute football because it enables me to play a competitive sport at a high level. Okay, time for the second half. Um, I'll probably come to you first, Eddie again. Um, what are the biggest changes you have seen to the sport over the years? The competitiveness of the league has gone up from what first playing. As soon as Bayer would be beating teams 10, 12, nil and stuff. But now if I haven't done this, uh, didn't play one game very well and we got beat, so you've got to play your best now to, to beat other teams that you should beat and stuff. 
And Sam, what about yourself? What have you seen over the years that has trained? Yeah, so what as I touched on earlier, I started in an Xterra chair. Um, so the chairs have obviously developed um, a lot in the last few years. And I think it's kind of made the sport a lot more fast-paced um, and a lot more tactical to sort of match match that of the running game. And I think that's kind of made the league much more competitive, um, as Ed just, Ed just said. And I think it's made it more enjoyable to watch as well as to play in. Um, tactically as well, teams have become much better, more educated on the game. And that's sort of happened, I think, one way that's happened is through the video analysis of the games because all the games are now available to watch for players and coaches on YouTube and stuff. So I feel like teams, I know we do as a team, look back on the footage individually and come back and sort of talk through what we could have done better, what we could do um, differently next time and sort of things like that. So that's enabled teams to then practice certain things that relates to the opposition they're going to come up against. And as Ed said, you are if you if you don't take your chances and play at your best, you are under pressure and challenged in every single game. No game's a gimme anymore that maybe it might have been um, a few years ago with the tens, the twelve nil sort of thing. And I think you're right when you say that about you know the competitiveness of the league. Um, you know the stats certainly show that you know teams are being beaten by less goals. At the, you know when they're down the bottom, we don't really get those double figure scores much now. Whereas as you say, you know thirty four nil man in a forty minute game, that's nearly one a minute. Um, you know, but we don't really get that anymore now. There's a lot that you know, and the goal differences are um, are, are lower um, down the bottom of the league, and you know they're not so huge at the top. So I think over the last few years we have seen a trend where you know the league is getting a little bit tighter. Passing's a lot more easier now. Although in saying that, you two could probably sit in a cardboard box with wheels and still pass the ball. Um, if you can just expand, maybe come to Sam first about the difference between the older style chair and it being more of a dribbling game compared to how it is now and it's more of a passing game. Yeah. Um, so sort of back in the day, I'd say, um, those sort of the Exterra chairs that. And then I moved into a TDX and then from there it became like storms and people were putting their seats further back, trying to make it easier to pass the ball and get more pace on it. Um, and sort of within the league, there was sort of a, a, a running, not a joke, but it was thought that um, Northern Thunder were more of a dribbling team and we would kind of only pass when it came to the last sort of play and try and... Uh, if we needed a goal or something like that. But with the, the new chairs and the, the strike forces, it's really encouraged people to pass the ball a lot more. Um, and people want to play like like the England team. So like in the England team, we're encouraged to pass the ball. And sometimes passing backwards might be seen as a negative thing for some people, but you've got to be willing to take that risk to get the, the ball moving further up the pitch. Um, so I do think teams are a lot more inclined to pass the ball and take more risks. Um, and it, it makes for a really interesting viewing. And as a player, I much more enjoy the game um, now than maybe the dribbling game that came before. I think it's uh, much more safer as well. Because as you said, Sam, earlier, you know, when your first experience of coaching football, you got in a chain, you felt a little bit unsafe because, you know, we did used to have a lot 
tips at National League, which was a scary side. You know, it's much more safe, I think. You know, I mean, fair enough, we do get the ball flying up a little bit, but I think I think the new chairs have, you know, you know definitely improved the safety as well. Um, we're just going to move away from football slightly because we need to talk about lockdown, really, and what's been going on over the last few months. It's not a pleasant subject, I realise, right? but I just wondered, you know, what you boys have been doing. Ed, can I come to you first, mate? Yeah, most of us have been like watching TV or playing on the PlayStation together and talking to one another over the headset and stuff and then started to do team quizzes and so each player's been doing a quiz each and just been taking turns and who's been the quiz master. Yeah, there's a lot of clubs done that. I've done so many quizzes. A few of us <laughs> have been in our football chairs and getting together for a catch-up. Uh, you live on a farm, don't you? So you've got quite a bit of space in a probably more than the most of us. So I've seen some uh, pictures on social media of you having quite a large area. So that you know, so that must be pretty good just to get out in your chair. Yeah, it was good just to get out and being in chair for a bit. A couple of the lads came up and we had a socially distance kickabout. Excellent. Um, and I'll just come to Sam. Um, yeah, so much like Ed, really. Um, luckily for me, I was... Um, Last year, I was in my um, second year of uni. Um, So come March, when lockdown sort of happened, I had quite a lot of work to do. And unfortunately, because I couldn't go anywhere, I had no excuse but to just do my work and sort of focus on my degree a bit. Um, So that took me through to about May time. Um, And then the the football season resumed, so I had a lot of football to watch Um, and sort of filled in my time like that. Um, but I've really enjoyed our sort of team quizzes that we've done and everyone's been responsible for making their own quiz and we just have a bit of bit of a laugh really in a catch-up. Um, I did have to get in my chair the other day to check I still fit in it because I haven't been in it for so long. To be fair, I think Logan um, is up there with the most committed player I've ever seen and he's putting, putting me to shame at least, definitely. Um, so I better watch for my space when he comes back because I think he'll be be up there he's a he's a very talented player and um he seems very committed in what he wants to do so it's great to see young young players sort of being like that really and being mad for the game oh i think i had a very fine with Sharon he did that. um i just wanted to come back to sam and and ask him about his degree and so just find out a bit about what you're doing at uni and also how you coped with learning online and getting the work done because I know that's been a struggle for some people that have been you know back from uni and stuff and still been expected to carry on with their work how's it been for you um yeah so I studied journalism at Newcastle University obviously the podcast you guys have been doing is something I've been quite interested in listening to and something I'd, I'd quite like to go into um, when I finish my degree sort of producing that and um, being part of it so it's been quite nice to be invited onto this and be part of a uh, production of something. But yeah, in terms of in terms of studying online, it was really tough to get used to at the start. I'm someone who kind of, I like to socialise. I liked the experience of going into uni and sit talking to people and being mm-hmm. part of like that seminar lecture sort of situation where the conversation's always flowing sort of thing. But then to go to an online and learning area sort of thing it's been quite tough and um it can feel like quite isolated from your studies sort of thing and um, but luckily the university were really good and put things in place quickly 
for people who had to shield like myself to feel still part of my degree um, while studying from home. So we had Zoom calls um, with like my module leaders and stuff like that and other people um, studying the same thing. So I've kind of stayed in touch through doing that um, and all my exams and stuff were put online. So I didn't have to physically go anywhere to do it. I could do it all from from the uh, table. So yeah, it was. It's been a tough time for everyone. I think we've just got to make the most out of what we've got, really. Definitely. Um, I just want to come back to two points, and then we'll go into the final challenge because we're nearly at forty minutes. But then we can play a bit of injury time, as they call it. Um, something you said, Sam. I haven't sat in my chair at all, and I'm a bit worried I won't actually fit in it. Mm-hmm. I have to get a wider seat base or something like that. Because um, I've been wearing my work tops this week for the first time in ages and they're a little bit snug, let's say. Um, so I'm a bit worried about that. Um, and also, um, we had the good news this week that Scotland are allowed to resume training, allowed to resume small-sided sports. So that includes parachair football. Um, so hopefully that will filter down south towards us in England. It seems to follow that way two or three weeks later. So. You know, you know, absolutely fantastic. You've got in your chair, in my view. Um, you know that that's brilliant. So hopefully we're not too far away. And as you say, you know, it's been a very difficult time for everybody. You know, um, but hopefully we're through the worst of it. Fingers crossed. Final challenge, Siobhan. The final challenge. Basically, you have to name as many parachair clubs in England as you possibly can. There are forty-six possible answers. Please try not to repeat an answer. And please try to stick to the club. So, for example, with West Brom, West Brom is the club. Brussels isn't actually a club. That's a team under that club. Okay, we'll keep a score, but you've got 33 to beat, which I believe is Brad and Chris. Okay, so that is still top of the leaderboard. Whenever you're ready, go. Dundon, Newcastle, Middlesbrough, Teesside, Leeds, Electric Eels, Darlington, Spire. West Brom, St. George, St. George's Knights, yeah. Sale, Seven Oaks, Manchester, Villa, Brighton, Bournemouth, Bolton, Greenbank, Cheltenham, Dudley, Chiffnor Town, yeah. Five, Cheltenham, four, three, 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 well done, lads. That was good. You was on a real roll then for a bit. Maybe just count them up. 25, lads. 25. 25. Excellent. Not quite good enough to beat 33, but near the top nonetheless. I'll take that. Excellent. Well lads. done. Well Excellent. done. So you, so that means you're actually second on the leaderboard um, because in joint third place, we've got Cheltenham and Manchester or Sale, I should say, Manchester and Sale United. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in joint third place. First is uh, West Bromwich Albion, and second is Northern Thunder. Uh, Ed and Sam, you are both Newcastle fans, is that right? I noticed yeah. you've got your top on, Sam. Would you ever consider playing for Newcastle United Parachair Football Club? Oh, that's a question. Look at Ed. He's got a beaming smile. No, Thunder through and through. Yeah, definitely. I've I've been going to Newcastle games since I was younger and I love the, the running game and I'll always love the team and support them. But in terms of power chair football, who could argue with uh, 
stick with Northern Thunder. So, nah. yeah. To be fair, I really, I, you know, I can see why you're saying that. You know, massive amount of uh, success over the years. So, you know, so why should you move? Excellent. When we do go back, though, you'll be in the same league. So that's a bit of a derby, I take it. And yeah, also you've got Teesside as well. So it's three very northern clubs in the Premier League next yeah. season. Some uh, ding-dong derbies. Got one final question. If you could change one law of the game in parachair football, then what would it be and why? And I'm going to come to you first because I think you're going to have something up your sleeve here. I was going to say two-on-one attacking, but when the defensive force so or when we're defending the sideline, you know how to set up. For every team, it's difficult to get the ball through. So I was thinking... Maybe to play on the top of the box. Once the ball's in play, has to move away from the box. It's where, Siobhan, where, you know, if you've got a touchline kick sometimes, they crowd the box. But you're only allowed two defenders in the box. But they put the goal at the front, so that allows a third defender to come in. It gets very crowded. Um, Sam? Yeah, so sort of what Ed touched on before, um, that rule change, and I'm sure other guests on the podcast might have mentioned this one as well. But um, I would look to have a change on the two-on-one um, law or the rule in terms of attacking. So if like two attacking players are passing the ball together um, in a tight space and it kind of requires quite a lot of skill to do that, um, then to be able to keep the ball moving, I don't think they should be called up for a two-on-one or kind of penalised for that. Um, obviously, if it's gaining an advantage on the opposition, I can see why um, that would maybe be given. Um, but in terms of like an attacking two on one, maybe say that it it isn't it doesn't really exist unless you're gaining an advantage on your sort of opponent opponent. Because sometimes it kind of takes the enjoyment out of the game, and you think you've got like a great move, and I'm sure we've all done it where we think, oh great, we've got out of a tight situation, the ball's moving, but it's been dragged back for a two on one. And but it's all it's a matter of an of opinion, like you said before. So. You know, I can see I can see where people are coming from. It's it's harder to pass in a tighter area, so that's more of a disadvantage to the attacking team. And yet we are penalised for two on one. But I can understand what you're saying. It's a matter of opinion. If we debate it, it will be here until next year. But no, great answers, um, Siobhan, Any final questions before we let the boys go? What are your plans for when we actually come out of lockdown? Have you thought about what you want to do with your game, with your team, you know, how you want to develop? Have you got sort of um, things in mind that you want to do for the new season? Or? Well, I've got a new coach going to come in and I'm going to coach alongside them. And so first thing will be to go back to the basics and go from there. Okay. That's a very That's wise answer. That is a very wise answer. Because I think I think what's going to happen, Siobhan, just to give you a heads up, we are, you know, the first step will be to go back training in smaller groups. So mm-hmm. we might have four players, which is only a team, but normally we might have eight players at training, you know, because you can have a game. So we won't actually be able to play games yet for a while, but just be nice to get back in the chairs, pass it around in a circle or a square, mm-hmm. you know, have a few shots on goal even, you know, I think a lot of people are missing that. You know, that will be the first step. Um, Sam, very quickly. On a personal level, it's to push um, for an England place for the World Cup um, and get working um, on my skills for that sort of thing. And as someone who has spent, he's, I've been on the bench a few times and wanting to develop my game, I want to push for a, a place on the starting lineup and prove to the coaches and the players that I, I've got the ability to, to do that. Um, and it obviously would be a dream come true to 
play in Australia. Um, can't really think of better place and a better place to play. Really, um, a trip to Sydney um, as well as representing your country would be great fun. So I look forward to that, and hopefully, um, I can work hard and try and get into that. Um, but on a team level, as Ed said, just kind of getting back to basics. Just excited to be able to just knock a ball about, really, um, to start with. And I know we've got some young players coming through uh, who are excited and really want to. Um, get off to a good start and um, develop their skills. Um, so this is probably my competitive side coming out, but definitely want to mount a um, title challenge um, as usual. And I think we've got the players to do it. Um, and like we touched on earlier, Jack Maxwell's been top goal scorer for two years now. Um, and he's really, really pushing uh, the starting four on Thunder. And he's um, a, a very valuable player to the team now. Um, and I think as a team, we um, we always want to win. But as Ed said, just basics and enjoying it is sort of a big thing too. So it'd be nice to get that enjoyment back. Brilliant place to finish. Thank you for your time today. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, it was lovely to meet you both. Yeah, thank you. So, thank well, you, guys. Thank you so thank much. You. Have, a, have a great weekend and we'll catch yeah. you soon, all right? Thank you. You too. Take care. Thanks. Set Mode is an Outer Circle production.